Hi. Can you hear me or can you hear the static at least? <laughs> well, I'll say we are consistent. <laughs> Brother Greg mentioned mercy. Talked about mercy. Brother Randy mentioned mercy and I'm going to talk about mercy as well. Um, when we first started talking about doing this, um, when Brother Mike was going to be gone, and um, I was told the topic would be Thanksgiving, my first thought was that's that's a pretty broad topic. Um, um, I have a lot to be thankful for, and it would be hard to 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 come up with something at first. Uh, I thought, but. Um, As I thought about it, I tried to narrow down to something specific uh, that I'm particularly thankful for, and that is God's mercies. Um, if uh, nothing else, we're consistent, but more importantly, I think um, we think alike. We're, we're of the same mind, uh, the brothers and sisters in this church, and I thank God for that. Um, but you might say, how can you um, even count God's mercies, much less narrow them down um, to, to one thing? Uh, and I agree, you can't, cannot count God's mercies. Uh, you can't even narrow them down. But today, uh, we're going to look at some scripture that talks about God's mercies. Again, not that we can measure them, but simply that we can be thankful for his mercies. Um, so first, how, can, how do we define God's mercies, or can we even define God's mercies? Um, I like what John MacArthur said about the mercies of God. He said that the Hebrew word for mercies is used uh, about 250 times in the Old Testament, and it refers to God's gracious love. But he says that the word mercies uh, is uh, more of a comprehensive term, and it, it includes his love, his grace, his mercy, his goodness, his forgiveness, his truth, his compassion, and his faithfulness. And of course, we find many examples in God's word of, of his mercy. Um, uh, one that always comes to my mind is Joseph and um, uh, how he was unjustly imprisoned um, after he rejected his master's wife's advances and, and uh, the, the, the word tells us that the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. That's in Genesis 39 and 21. And we know that Joseph didn't sit idle in prison, uh, grieving over his situation, uh, and that, that the innkeeper, in fact, put Joseph over everything in the prison. He um, elevated him, um, and God used Joseph to interpret the dreams of the, the, the baker and the butler, Pharaoh's baker and butler, um, and then, of course, uh, even uh, interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. So he eventually became uh, a great and trusted leader. 
uh, under Pharaoh, his second in command, in fact. Uh, Joseph's entire life and God's plan for his life is a lesson in God's mercies. Uh, as, as he used him to save Egypt from famine, uh, but more importantly, to save Joseph's own family. Another example of God's mercy is Jonah. And if you want to be turning to the book of Jonah, uh, we're going to be reading um, particularly from uh, that book this morning. Um, He was, of course, as we know, one of God's prophets. Um, He was prophet to the ten northern tribes of Israel. Um, And God called him to go and preach repentance to Nineveh. But Jonah instead ran from God, from God's call. And not just ran, he ran in the opposite direction. Um, He went to Joppa and boarded a ship to Tarshish, which uh, it's thought uh, was about 2,500 miles west of Joppa, and which is no small distance. So he was, he was trying his best to get away. But in the end, of course, we know he found himself in the belly of a, of a big fish. Um, I believe that the Lord's mercy began uh, with the great wind and the mighty tempest that he brought about. If we read in, in chapter 1 and verse 4 of, of the book of Jonah, it reads, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. I believe that the Lord's mercy uh, be, began there. Um, God had a sovereign plan, a plan of mercy not only for Jonah, but those others that were on the ship. If we jump down to the verse 15 and 16, it says, So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Then God continued to show Jonah mercy, as we read then in, in verse 17. Now the Lord had, <clears throat> had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. It may not seem, I'll, I'll say to the world, uh, that being swallowed by a great fish is mercy, um, but In fact, God was harboring Jonah uh, while he changed his heart to repent from turning away from his command to preach to Nineveh. If we continue then in chapter 2, we'll read down through verse 9, beginning with verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cry by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and, <clears throat> and thou heardest me. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet 
I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed, closed me round about, and weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord God, my God. When, thou, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in, in unto thee, and into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that, that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So what does this passage tell us? Well, first, you can pray anywhere, right? He, he, he prayed from the belly of a fish. So we know that in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we can and should pray to the Lord. Second, when we go to the Lord with our affliction, um, in our hurt or in our sorrow, he hears us. Jonah said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. God hears our voice when we approach him humbly in repentance and faithfulness. God, this is God's mercy to us, and I'm very thankful for, for it. Again, verse 8 reads, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. I found um, something in uh, Matthew Henry's commentary about this verse, and I'd like to read it. Those that follow their own inventions, as Jonah himself had done when he fled from the presence of the Lord to go to Tarshish, forsake their own mercy, that mercy which they might find in God, and might have and might have such a covenant right entitled to it as to be able to call it their own if they would but keep close to God and their duty. Those that think to go anywhere to be from under the eye of God, as Jonah did, that think to better themselves by deserting his service, as Jonah did, and that grudge his mercy to any poor sinners and pretend to be wiser than he in judging who are fit to have prophets sent to them and who are not, as Jonah did. They observe lying vanities and are led away by foolish, groundless fancies, and like him, they forsake their own mercy and no good can come of it. And then in verse 10 of chapter 2, we read, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. As a result of Jonah's repentance, God sovereignly caused the great fish to vomit, vomit out Jonah onto the dry land. Can we only wonder at the miracles 
and mercies of God when he can speak to an animal and cause it to do something it would not naturally do. Not only did God have mercy on Jonah as well as the souls in the ship, he also had mercy on the Ninevites. Chapter 3, uh, we'll read verses 1 through 10 here. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, and that, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey, and Jonah began to enter into the city's city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works and they turned, that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he, had, that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. So God got Jonah back on the right course, back to his mission work, or his mission trip, if you will, to, to preach to the to people of Nineveh. And so Jonah did just that and told them of the coming doom for Nineveh in 40 days, that they would be overthrown in 40 days. And the people believed. Verses 5 and 6 tell us that they proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth, and even the king exchanged his robe for sackcloth and ashes. In the end, God recognized that the people had repented and turned to him something that his own people failed to do after having been preached to by many prophets. Verse 10 again says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. God had mercy on the city of Nineveh, the same as he does for us. When we turn to him in repentance, and seek his face. For that I'm thankful. Another passage that I want to look at briefly is found in Lamentations. Chapter 3, 
Lamentations, of course, is the short book found right after the book of Jeremiah. It was written by Jeremiah, and it's a collection of poems or lamentations where Jeremiah is mourning uh, the, the conquering of the city of Jerusalem and the, the kingdom of Judah. It documents Jeremiah's anguish over Judah's sin. But in the, the middle of the, the third lamentation, Jeremiah shows us that amid his distress, he still has hope in the mercies of God. We're going to read from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. <clears throat> this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because of his compassions, because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So the, the, the tone of these few verses changes dramatically from the laments described in the surrounding verses and chapters to, to these hopeful verses. Jeremiah remembered something that gave him hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Even though the people of Jerusalem and Judah were beat down and defeated, they were not consumed. There was a remnant of hope. Sometimes we too might also feel beat down and battered or defeated, but we know that with our Lord, there is always hope. When we think of our brothers and sisters in Christ standing in the gap for us, offering up prayers for us, we can trust that it is of the Lord's mercies that we too are not consumed. Spurgeon said of this verse, See where Jeremiah gets his comfort. He seems to say, bad as my case is, it might have been worse. For I might have been consumed, and I should have been consumed, if the Lord's compassions had failed. But we know that in our lives, as well as Jeremiah's life and those around him, that our Lord never ceases to have compassion for us. His compassions fail not. We may at times not understand to what or to where the Lord is leading us or why we are going through a crisis or a sickness or even death, but we must not lose sight of our Lord but continue to trust in him and his sovereign plan for us. We too have lamentations, we have sorrows and anguish over things that happen in our lives. But here in this passage, God shows us that Jeremiah still had hope. He could still see the mercies of God. Many times we don't understand why God allows circumstances to come into our lives. 
We question, we worry, we look to ourselves for answers. But God has a plan of mercy. If after the wind ceases, after the storm passes, passes, and we look back, we can often see that he has a plan for us. God's mercy upon us will never cease, and for that I'm extremely thankful. I know I tend to quote Spurgeon a lot, and I I can't help it. Um, So I'll close with his words that say, God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light or make space too narrow than diminish the great mercy of God. So we'll close with that and we'll have a closing hymn here in just a moment.